Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, welcome to this week's Man in the Post as part of the World Football Index. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me, I've got Colin. Colin, how are we? Very well. Guten Tag. Guten Tag, indeed. Um, Buenos Dias as well, with three, two Spanish teams in the Champions League. What's, um, what's, Mono- what, what's, I'm trying to think, what, is it Monocan, Monarchies? Do they have their own dialect or do they just speak French? Um... I'm pretty sure that the official term for them is uh, Monokonokans. Monokonokans. Yeah. That sounds like something Sid James would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're all right? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Long time no speak. Uh, it's, it's good to be back on a podcast, Chris. Excellent. Good man. Right. Well, this week we're going to be talking about the Champions League games that have happened this week. Uh, a bit about who's going up, who's going down in the lower leagues in England. Um, we're going to be talking about the Premier League and some other bits and bobs. So, uh, Champions League this week. I know this is a favourite subject of yours, so we'll, we'll start with the game you did watch. Uh, Leicester City won, Atletico Madrid won. Um, Atletico Madrid took the lead through uh, Niguez before Jamie Vardy equalised in the second half. But thanks to that penalty that wasn't a penalty in the first leg, Atletico Madrid go through 2-1 on aggregate. Um, you saw this, didn't you? What did you make of it? Well, English hearts were broken weren't they they were they were I did feel a little bit of pride as a man native of the city of Leicester it's uh, it's quite nice to see it showed in its full regalian glory oh right okay interesting I didn't know you were a native of Leicester um yeah <laughs> look I think I think at the end of the day you just got to take your hat off to Leicester for doing what they've done um they were the last last man standing representing Britain so Fair play to them. They did what the others couldn't, um, and it, it was close at the end. I was really getting behind Leicester. I was like, "Come on, get it done!" But that's it's, it's, it's the end of an era now, isn't it? So that's it, really. I think, but uh, it's a shame. Yeah, they had twenty-three shots, of which sixteen were in the second half. Um, but they pointed this out on the telly, and as soon as they pointed it out, it was sort of something I noticed. The uh, Atletico Madrid defence, his way of dealing with Jamie Vardy runs. Um, as soon as Leicester got on the attack, uh, either one of Diego Godan and Stefan Savic would go in front of Vardy, one would stand behind him, so they were covering him completely. And he was popping his goal. He was uh, he was neutralised, wasn't he? Well, if it, you know, you can't you can't blame them for doing the homework on Leicester. Um, I mean, I don't know. One of the things I, I would take as a talking point is I, I still don't feel comfortable with Craig Shakespeare being in charge there. I, I still think he's a little bit of a fish out of water. Um, and I, I know Ranieri's gone; that's in the past, but. 
I think there's going to be a big potential churn at, at, at Leicester about what they do next. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, many is the team that have hired a caretaker manager who's done well for a few months and then they've given them a job and they struggled afterwards. I mean, you think Spurs yeah. and Tim Sherwood. <laughs> well, yeah. But it's something you see quite a lot, isn't it? You often get the new manager bounce after the old one leaves and they give and the they caretaker give manager the job and it doesn't work out, does it, a few months later? Well, here's the thing. I, I think, is, is Shakespeare a number one or a number two? Do you see him staying at Leicester? I don't really see him there long term. Do you see him getting a, <clears throat> a number two job at a Premier League team? Not really, because would you want to be the number one with Shakespeare being the number two when... I think, really, he did a little bit of the dirty on Ranieri. Well, Allardyce had him as um, a coach at England, didn't he? Oh, well, great. <laughs> that worked. Well, yeah, it did, but not, it, didn't, it didn't not work out for that reason, though, did it? No. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just... <laughs> you know, you look at Klopp, Mourinho... And then it's like Shakespeare, really? You know, it's like it's, it's a bit of a weird one. Do you know one thing I'm wondering about him? He's from Birmingham, isn't he? I don't know. Yeah, he is, and I'm just wondering if Deaton back in the in his family history. I wonder if he's related to another famous West Midlands Shakespeare. Which one's that? <laughs> William. Yeah. Say, Colin. <laughs> I'm, only I'm only joking. I know you're from the north, but bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. But it, but the thing is, I mean, it's it's something about it that sort of makes me reminisce a little a little bit about the appointment of Hockaday at Leeds United. Oh yeah, like, yeah. A complete random, right? And he said, "Well, good luck to the guy. You know, we're going to get behind him," but ultimately failed. Uh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't ooze being a number one, does he? I mean, to be fair, he, it's a, for a start, he's he's not even wearing a suit and tie on the touchline, so that goes that counts against him in my book from the start. But yeah, he seems like somebody in the background who would be an excellent coach or an assistant. He doesn't have the air of authority you sort of see coming across from managers, do you? He doesn't have the gravitas, does he? No, exactly. exactly. You don't get the feeling that if things were kicking off, he'd, he'd be able to be... Billy Big Bollocks and start kicking people on the training pitch. No, I reckon he's one of those coaches that um, players like because he's very sort of mates with them. And I don't know whether he would have the capacity to kick their asses or whether it'd just be too nice when they needed it. Mm. Um, where are they now? They've got 37 points, haven't they, Leicester? I mean, they're safe for next season, aren't they? They, they are safe, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed, really, in their performances, but. Um, maybe it's just always going to be a transition year and Champions League was what they concentrated on I mean, from a financial perspective I'm sure the owners are very happy with what's happened yeah but um, you know if you were a Leicester player you might think about jumping ship if you got a chance yeah no I think you, you could well be right right okay well, we also had um, oof did you see this Barcelona nil Juventus nil this was a game. Talk to me, Chris. Talk Tell to you. Me about it. Well, look, I mean, I got a vested interest in this. It was back in the 1990s and the Gazetta Football Italia. Juventus were my team of choice. Um, yeah. So when my children went to bed last night, uh, I got them to say a little prayer for 
God and for Jesus and to help them do well at school. And I snuck in a little bit at the end about Juventus and they, they both thought it was hilarious. They both thought it was them that did it this morning when they came down and saw the result. They both thought it was down to them praying to God last night. Um, that defensive partnership last night, that defence of um, Chiellini and uh, Benucci because Barzali came on a bit later on and then Buffon and goal. Buffon only had one save to make all night. Barcelona had 19 shots. Buffon only had one mate save to make. There was some woeful missing by Messi. Um, but you just knew that the Juventus had this air of you shall not pass about them. Um we said last week on the pod after the the result in the first leg that the defence of Chiellini and Benucci is a bit different to the defence of uh, Marquinhos and um, Thiago Silva for PSG. And as soon as he got to half-time, you just thought there's no way in the world that Juventus are going to concede four goals that they needed to concede. Uh, and they had their chances as well. They played on the break. They soaked up an awful lot of pressure and they were more than happy to soak up this pressure. Higuain, Quadrado, Dybala occasionally as well. They all hit them on the break. But they didn't really look like they were going to score all that much themselves, Juventus. But I don't think that was in their plan at all. Um, they've not conceded from open play in the Champions League this season of Juventus. Uh, and it's only the third time Barcelona have scored in either leg of a Champions League knockout match. Um yeah, I, I do wonder about this Juventus team because you look at some of the other teams that are the other teams that are in the Champions League semi-final. You've got Monaco who love to attack; they scored 90 goals in the league on this season. You've got Real Madrid, who we know about their attack, and they're a different kettle of fish to Atletico Madrid, who are very much similar to Juventus, uh, it, who are happy to let the other team have the ball and defend. I do. I, a lot of people have got a sneaky feeling for Juventus in this. Champions League season I really hope they do it but it'll all depend who they get in the draw tomorrow what do you think? Um, I don't know are they still are they still match fixing? How very dare you Huh? <laughs> no um, No they're not anymore oh they're clean now oh, Yeah um, Are you still kicking in students up your way? Kicking in students? Yeah What is that a Lee Bowyer reference? I, I, no he was found out guilty wasn't he? It was the other yeah. lad. Woodgate? Yeah. No, he wasn't guilty of kicking. He was just guilty of a fray. What's that then? Is that a light beating? No, I think that's just like shouting at people and stuff. Oh, is he? I think that's the lightest level. <laughs> you know, the lightest level of... Banter. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, what do you think? I mean, Juventus is prospects. In fact, well, did you see anything in this game at all? Did you see the highlights or? I didn't see the highlights of this one. Um, you, you know my thoughts on the Champions League, and this is something that I struggle with. I mean, at, at the moment, for me, it just seemed to be there's like football on 24-7, which I never thought I'd say this, but I'm actually getting a little bit saturated with it. And there's not much more I can take. And, and the bit that I sort of give up on a little bit is the Champions League. Um I mean, I appreciate that, you know, people really, really have a thing for it. I know you do. Um, but sometimes I just don't really understand the appeal. You'd rather watch Newport County versus Blackpool, wouldn't you? No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just a bit of an old man and a bit of a traditionalist and. I'm nodding my I, head I, furiously here. I'd, I'd much rather have, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd uh, much 
rather watch like FA Cup games or Capital One Cup or whatever it is now. There's not an awful uh, lot of difference between Barcelona versus Juventus and Arsenal versus Manchester City. I mean, they're two sort of similar sized clubs on a European level, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think I think one of the things that sort of I find irksome is that it's a lot of you know like you've got Monaco in there. It's basically just guys with loads of money who buy the best players and they're in the Champions League because they've bought their own leagues. Whereas, what if you Whereas win your domestic? If you win your domestic league, you do that through Corinthian effort and hard work. I think there's more of that in the English league. Yeah, the Russian billionaire that owns the team at the top of the Premier League. Abramovich? Hmm. Yeah, but there's, the thing is, there's more competition in the English leagues. Every, everyone's a lot closer in terms of skill level. Whereas I think, let's say, for example, me and you, we win the biggest Euro millions ever and we get like a billion pounds and we, we decide to like blow it all on a football club and we, we, we just want trophies we wouldn't go buying a Premier League team we'd buy a team in Germany or Spain and, and revolutionise it you know like they're doing at Granada with Tony Adams <laughs> that sort of thing yeah they're certainly going one way aren't they yeah <laughs> go on then so what do you reckon for Juventus in the next round how far do you think they're going to go um, I think they could win it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like your thinking. They've got, they've, you know, they've got something going about them, and so why not? I think they definitely got uh, probably the best defense out of that. They've, I think, they, yeah, they got a very good defense out of the teams left in it. Their uh, front line that you, we know of, of Higuain and Dybala um, and Cuadrado, are a match for any defence defending against them. And they've got quite an underrated midfield. I don't think Marquisio got on once during both legs. So I think you're right. Um, we also had Monaco 3, Borussia Dortmund 1. 6-3 on aggregate Monaco won that. The Dortmund bus got delayed by um, five minutes. I don't think that... Um, after recent circumstances, I don't think that, or recent events, I don't think that helped their mindset in any way, do you? No, no, it's a bit of a shocker, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Radamel Falcao with his fifth goal of the season. Uh, Killing and Bappe keep scoring. Five goals in four knockout Champions League games. A first semi-final Champions League for Monaco since 2004, uh, when they beat Chelsea. Mm. And they're going for their treble, aren't they? They're going for their um, treble in uh, the, the... Several points clear in France, and uh, they're still in their their domestic cup. Well, I am. I have to say, I am a massive Monaco fan um, because I, I think many years ago, on one of the earlier podcasts, um, a, a team of us was asked which is our favourite football stadium, um, and I said the, the Monaco one. It's the Stade Louis Stadium, isn't it? <laughs> well, is it, is it um, Louis the Second or something? Yeah, go on. But the thing is, what I like about it is, apart from it being very beautiful, it's got an underground car park, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the others in the podcast giggled at me. Um, I, I don't know whether 
they might have chosen American R or whatever or something or New Camp, but yeah, lovely stadium. Yeah. Mm. The football Not ground very near, big capacity, but the football ground next door to my house has got mine shafts underneath it. Room for development then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Monica, yeah. Do you think they're going to be stopped at all? Like where I mean, Mbappe? Where's Mbappe going to be playing next season? He's um, had a phenomenal season this year, hasn't he? I'll take your word for it, Chris. <laughs> Come on, this is your favourite French team. Come on. Well, I, I think he'll be there next season. You don't think they're going to sell him? Um, well, probably got a nice spot in the underground car park. Why would he want to leave? <laughs> he could get a nice spot in a Manchester United car park. Yeah, but it's outside and it rains a lot. You think? Mm. But no, it does rain a lot. These big hairy-ass French players turn up and go, il pleut, and they don't fancy it. Well, look at Pogba. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Real Madrid 4, Bayern Munich 2, uh, 6-3 on aggregate. Uh, a hat-trick for Cristiano Ronaldo, who's now got 100 Champions League games. Um, he achieved this on the same night that Atletico Madrid got to 100 Champions League goals as a club. You don't think he'll be at all big-headed about it, do you? I love Cristiano Ronaldo. I know people don't like him. I think he's fantastic. I love his brashness. It, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, if he's playing against my team, then he's, he's frustrating as hell. But if you're going to be that good, do it properly. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? It's sort of like on a Cantona scale. Yeah. You know, if you want to be a bit cocky and bullish, then don't do it half-cocked. Do it properly. And, and he does that. Oh, no, definitely. They took the lead through Robert Lewandowski. Um, penalty did Bayern Munich. A rather hilarious Sergio Ramos own goal. Did you see this? No, I didn't. The ball sort of rebounded off his shin about six yards out and dribbled over the line as everyone sort of despairingly went towards the ball, trying to sort of keep it out, but didn't quite manage it. Um, Marcello with a fantastic run. Uh, from fullback, dodged through about five players outside the Bayern Munich box before he slid to Ronaldo. Um, um, Bayern Munich do feel a little bit aggrieved. They're the red card in the first game, Javi Martinez. Atoro Vidal had a red card in this game as well, and one of the Ronaldo goals was offside. Um, so they feel a little bit miffed, and you have to feel with Carl Ancelotti going back to his former club as well. And. Uh, getting nothing from there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to him at the end of the season. Um, 30 goals for Real Madrid, uh, sorry, 30 shots for Real Madrid in this game, 20 for Bayern, so 50 in total. Uh, so we've got an Atletico Madrid, Juventus, uh, Monaco and Real Madrid in the semi-final. Who do you think is going to win this overall? The whole tournament? Yeah. Well, I think it'll be Monaco, Juventus in the final. Oh, do you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where's the final being held? Is it in England? Cardiff. Cardiff. Um, Not quite England. No, no. Um, could be soon after the general election. <laughs> um, uh, so Cardiff, it's going to rain. Um, I, I did sort of stick my head above the parapet and say Juventus, and despite Monaco being lovely, um, I'll, I'll stick with Juventus. Okay. I bet I'd get good odds on that. You could well do, yeah. You could well do indeed. Okay, well, the draw for that is tomorrow. That's Friday. Um, whatever day you're listening to this podcast, it will be a previous day, I should imagine. Um, 
coming up this weekend, we've got an FA Cup semi-final Saturday. We've got Chelsea versus Spurs and Arsenal versus Manchester City. Uh, anything you want to say on them? Well, I I mean, it sounds improbable, mm-hmm. but I have a, sus- a sneaky feeling, and I really would enjoy this, if the final was Spurs-Arsenal. All right, okay. Yeah, because of the intense rivalry there. Mm. And then Arsenal go and win it. So a trophy for Wenger. And then we see what happens because he's not only has he won a trophy, but he's he's beaten the enemy. Oh, you know he's definitely going to stay. Crikey. I don't know. It depends how much Arsenal TV you watch, isn't it? He's definitely staying. You think so? Yeah. Did you see um, Ty from Arsenal TV t- this week? Who? Ty. He's one of the fellas from Arsenal TV. He sort of walked past this camera, um, very much like a footballer, in full club kit or club sort of tracksuit with headphones around his oh, neck. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Looking like he was some kind of player or something. Not at- and actually looked like a complete bellend. But um, I think that Manchester City, I don't think they've sold their full allocation. And... Uh, I think it was Tony Barrett who used to be the Times but now somewhere else he's complained on Twitter today that this is what happens if you have uh, semi-finals in London all the while the northern teams are going to struggle because you've got three southern teams and you've got the um, the one northern team Manchester City struggling to sell their allocation it is a bit crap having it at Wembley isn't it I much prefer it in the olden days when you used to have it at a neutral stadium Um. Yes, I, I, I'm a little bit torn on this. I do, I really do understand the appeal of going to Wembley because it is, it is a great stadium, you know, the new Wembley. However, there was something special about it being up north. Um, but I think fundamentally at the end of the day, it's all about cash. The FA's got a huge debt on Wembley and they've got to have the games there to, um, to help try and pay it off. Yeah. So I can't see anything changing soon. Um, but yeah, it, it's a real shame. And also, I think one of the other challenges that you have with playing semis in in London is that when you do have two northern teams, essentially, pretty much the travel is is often on trains. Mm. Um, and this is something that we may come to, you know, when we talk championship. They're essentially on the same train line, so they're on the same trains, which is um, a hiding to nothing. She can't separate the fans then. Mm. Um, and we all know what happens in finals and things like that. You know, people have a bit to drink, and then a lot more, um, and then things happen, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, go on. How do you reckon this one's going to go? Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, Manchester City. I think. Do you know what? I can see a Chelsea Arsenal final. Ooh, you see Chelsea Arsenal. I, I see Spurs Arsenal just because of the the Wenger thing. I think it's sort of almost written in stone. Oh, it is. God, they're going to take him out of that club in a coffin, aren't they? Oh, there's going to be, you know, Wenger out planes flying all over. Dog fights. Yeah, drones the lot all, all <laughs> over Wembley, and he's just going to go right. I'm going to show you, and they're going to win it. Yeah, okay. Um, 
I said Chelsea-Arsenal, didn't I? That's what I'm going to go for. Okay. Uh, right, some ups and downs in the Championship and the lower leagues. Uh, Brighton got promoted on Monday after beating Wigan 2-1 and Huddersfield drew with Derby. Uh, so the top of the Championship is now Brighton top on 92 points, then Newcastle on 85, then the middle four. The four playoff teams are uh, Reading, 79 points, Hull, 78, Sheffield Wednesday, 75, Fulham, 73, which means... Dropping out of the playoff places this week are dirty, dirty leads. What's, what's happened? Um, I, I don't think it's, it's a case of necessarily what's happened. I think it's just that it's so tight at the top. Yeah. Um, you got a good result just, in Newcastle, didn't you, last week? Yeah, we did. I mean, but to put it in perspective from just a Leeds point of view, the previous five games, so potential 15 points, Leeds have got four. In their five games before that, they got 11 points. So, if the wheels are coming off, this is absolutely the wrong time for it to happen for Leeds. They're doing a derby. Uh, Well, no, I wouldn't wouldn't put it like a derby. But, uh, I mean, the thing is, it's everyone's still in it to win it. Because below Leeds, that's it. There's too much of a gap to Norwich. So, they can't get back into it. So it's between Reading, Huddersfield, Chef Wednesday, Fulham and Leeds for who's going to make the playoffs. Mm. So one of them's going to fall out. Um, Newcastle are promoted. They're, they're going up as well. So I, I think it is between the five clubs and we'll see what happens there. I'd like to see Huddersfield go up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean... It'd be interesting. I mean, they've, they've done well. I mean, Leeds, Huddersfield Town have been f- fighting above their weight, really. They weren't expected to do this well. So they've been a surprise act. Sheffield Wednesday, not really. They were there before. Um, but, I mean, I, I tell you what, the, the most dangerous team out of all of them is Fulham. Yeah, Absolutely. they're coming into form at the right time, aren't they? They are, and of all the teams that I've seen play... Um, at Leeds United they've been the best yeah. um, Reading they flatter to deceive they're, they're, they're very inconsistent aren't they they're bang average yeah they got thumped at Norwich as well didn't they? they they have a way of playing which is very boring and monotonous I mean it's the sort of team that if, if, if they got promoted they'd get absolutely battered in the Premier League you know whereas at least Sheffield Wednesday or Huddersfield would be able to put up a fight mm. um but it's 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 sort of effective at this level, but it's crikey, it's not very nice to watch. <laughs> uh, but it's 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 still quite interesting because uh, the last game of the season, I think, is Sheffield Wednesday versus Fulham. Yeah. So someone's going to take points off each other. Um, I think Fulham have to play Huddersfield Town as well. Um, so there's still a whole load of tasty fixtures in there. And from a Leeds United perspective, it's quite simple, really, because they've just got to win three remaining games. On current form, it's unlikely. But even though it's only three games, I think it's going to be a lot of twists and turns, and heaven forbid, it, it could even come down to goal differences that tight. Hmm. OK. Uh, down the bottom, it's looking tight as well. You've got Rotherham and Rory down on 18 points, and then Wigan pretty much down as well on 40 points. And then the last relegation place, you've got... Currently occupied by Blackburn on 44 points. And then 45, you've got Forest. Uh, 
47 points. You got Birmingham City. Then you got Burton on, and um, uh, on 48 points. I did write somebody else, but I can't read my handwriting, so I don't know who it is. Um, Bristol. Bristol. That's the one. I quite like them to stay up because I quite like Lee Johnson. Well, I, th- I think when you name those teams, the, the one that stands out by a country mile is Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Um, Every time then, I see them on uh, Channel 5, they're losing. Yeah. Um, and then, Blackburn Rovers. Yeah. Um, uh, well, no, the, the, the team I'm looking at is actually Birmingham, because Zola's resigned <laughs> this week blaming him. He's pretty much blamed himself for falling on his sword. And now they brought Harry Redknapp in, who won't get paid if they get relegated. Um, well, Birmingham's a little bit of a... It, it's difficult because all the teams near there at the bottom have, have all got something wrong with them, you know, in some way of, you know, in their infrastructure. So, Forrest, the owner basically doesn't like the club anymore, so he's not pumping any more money in. Blackburn Rovers, Venkies, we all know the history behind that. Birmingham City seem to be demolishing themselves. That mental decision to get rid of Gary Rowett is coming back. I know, it's crazy, I mean... (sighs) Okay, Zola, fine, but then Harry Redknapp, I mean... (laughs) Someone's on the happy pills there, aren't they? That came out of nowhere, didn't it? I mean, if you're going to get a new manager, wait till you see where you are at the end of the season. Yeah. Do you know what? It beats his previous, previous um, um, most northern team managed, because it used to be QPR was the most north he'd ever managed. So he's, well, he, he's <laughs> heading up beyond north of the wall and bash John Stone for this, isn't he? Well, he'll, he'll never be there, will he, mate? He'll have other people do the training. He's a, he's a bit of a Neil Warnock. Yeah. He, he'll, he'll stay at home. And um, let other people do the training, and he'll turn up for matches, driven there in a private car, and, and that's that's it. That's if it happens. I mean, I, is he actually the manager now for the next games? I think he is, isn't he? Well, hey, you could you could argue that if he saves them from relegation, it's a job well done. Yeah. So maybe there's that. You could you could give them credence for that. Um, but I tell you what, I mean, if, if Forest go down, that is not a good, that is not a good place to be. No, well they've been down before, haven't they? But yeah, yeah, you just can't see them going down and getting any investment to come back up, can you? Well, not really, and, and then it's it's all about wages and rebuilding, and you know, we, we've seen it with teams before. It's it's very hard to bounce back. Um. Seen with Man City, with Leeds, with Forest before. Sheffield United, they've taken them a long They're time up. to come back up, hasn't it? Yeah, massive time. But yeah. uh, they've eventually done it. Yeah. Um, well, also down in the uh, lower leagues, League One, Chesterfield are down, Coventry City are down. My uh, nephew got on the uh, front cover of the Daily Mail this week because he was one of the ball boys clearing up the pigs that the Charlton fans threw onto the pitch. I <laughs> <laughs> um, then League Two, um, the automatic... Slots are all taken up, aren't they? Doncaster, Plymouth and Portsmouth are all up. Colin, you wanted to talk about Leighton Orient down the bottom. I did, yeah. Uh, so Leighton Orient currently standing at the uh, the bottom of League Two on the pre- precipice of going into non-league football. Um, 
they're not out of it. They're not relegated yet, uh, they're, but they're clinging on. They're, they're six points adrift of Newport County. Um, so why did I want to speak about Leighton Orient? This is an issue that I've had before, and I've mentioned it on the podcast, about how I feel the EFL Football League and the FA should have some sort of responsibility for clubs that find themselves in trouble. Okay? Um, now, I think, before we get into it, it's worth just having a little bit of um, background on why Leighton Orient are where they are. Um, so if you bear with me, I mean, they've been in the uh, Football League for over 100 years, maybe it's 112, is it? Um, maybe a bit more than that. Um, the current owner is Francesco Bacchetti. He took over from Barry Hearn. His aim was to take the club into the championship. Since then, ten different managers at the club. The chief exec was removed. He's been up for potential fraud and extradition. Um, A lot of the youth players got rid of. Um, Apparently, he likes to dictate what happens on the pitch and who's picked. Apparently, he, on the training pitch kicked, I think, the assistant manager, Andy Hessenthaler, up the backside. Um, And apparently there's a a player there who's on £20,000 a week. Um, So basically, a lot of strange goings-ins and going-outs. HMRC have had a winding-up order on them, which has been put to bed for now. Pachetti... Paid about two hundred thousand, sort of put that behind. But the deadline day is um, June the twelfth, where they need to find another million quid. Um, but here's here's the thing: what I find difficult. Basically, players are being unpaid, staff are being unpaid. The PFA has stepped in to pay some of the wages, which is good, but that's only for the playing staff. Um, one of the doctors. Uh, Craig Rosenblum resigned after not being paid for two months and the EFL had the temerity so this is a football league run by Sean Harvey had the temerity to ask the Leighton Orient Fans Trust who have managed to get together £135,000 to pay the medical staff for home games because I believe that's a, a prerequisite for a game to go ahead you know you've got to have the medical staff there and they rightly said no but I just think it's just it's just embarrassing and a failure of duty for the let's let's take the FA out of this for now because it is mainly the football league the football league to allow this to happen to a club that's been in the football league for over a hundred years to potentially disappear. Can I? Okay, it's all very passionate from you, but what I would suggest is Leighton Orient Football Club are run by. Grown-ups who are uh, have been in business for an awful long time. They're run by um, uh, it, it, no one made Leighton Orient pay twenty thousand pounds a week to this player. No one made Leighton Orient sell 
to this particular individual they've sold to, why should the FA come in or the EFL come in and bail them out now when they've got themselves into this mess in the first place? It's their own fault. They're in this mess. If they go bust, then so what? Somebody else can come in and have a go. Because the EFL made the decision that the current owner was fit and proper and a good guy and was going to be in the best interests for Leighton Orient Football Club. So who sold to Leighton? Who sold to this guy? The Barry previous Hearn. Le- yeah, Barry Hearn, who was the previous Leighton Orient owner. Yes. Well, so what? There you go. That's just life, isn't it? Well, no, it's, it's not life. It's... It is. Of course it is. Why should the FA step in when this club have managed to let themselves have a contract negotiated where a League 2 player is on £20,000 a week and they're losing all this money? So what if they go bust? Loads of clubs go bust. They can go back and come back like um, um, like other clubs have done before. Chester have come back. Um, Maidstone have come back. Aldershot have come back from the past. Brighton were on the brink. Now they're in the Premier League. If they... if Late in Orient go bust, so be it, because there's um, there's plenty more teams that are willing to take their place that are better ran than them. Uh, so it's not the job of the FA to hold the hands of these football clubs that are run by supposed successful businessmen. If they go bust, then it's their own fault. But the, the thing that stands out, obvious, very clearly though, surely, is that if they've been in the football league since 1881, what suddenly has changed that means that they're inexplicably no longer deserving of being a, a football league club. It's because the only difference is the guy who's been in, who's currently in charge, who's basically not paying the wages, who's not fulfilling his responsibilities, and the guy and the people who gave him the rubber stamp to do that were the football league. Now, they, they, would, hadn't, they wouldn't have needed to do that if Barry Hearn hadn't sold it to him in the first place. Well, that's ifs and buts and maybes, but Barry Hearn sold it because he thought that the guy was going to do better things for the club. It's not about Barry Hearn, it's about the current guy. I I, I don't think you can throw it back at Barry Hearn. Um, I just, well, let me me ask you a question. I understand both sides of the arguments, by the way, so I'm, I'm being sort of devil's advocate a bit here. But, what is the Football League's job? If you're Sean Harvey and you're in charge of the EFL, apart from making up stupid things like the Checker Trade Trophy, right, and ruining a perfectly good competition, yeah, the uh, Johnston Paints Trophy, which wasn't the best, but it, it worked, and you could, you know, you could get a day out to Wembley in it. What is their job, apart from like, you know, taking salaries, you know, six-figure salaries? Uh, their job, I should imagine, is to uh, uh, grow, grow the, the league, league and make their leagues more marketable, both to TV companies and to uh, foreign countries who might be expressing. You can watch championship games in Brazil now, I believe. So your job is to grow your market abroad. Your job is to grow your profile abroad. Uh, the job of the FA is to uh, ensure that grassroots football is properly represented and can grow, uh, to therefore look after the national team. Um job of the FA is also to stamp out racism, homophobia and any other such discrimination within the game to protect referees, uh, to ensure there's a lasting legacy for people um, that are coming up that, that want to actually play the game. It's not the job of the FA to hold the hands of failing football clubs. If failing football clubs go bust, then so be it. What I would possibly say in what the FA should be doing, the FA should be looking at leagues 
two champion, and then maybe the um, uh, the Conference League as well, and maybe even League One. And looking at whether instead of having those three leagues, maybe we should have some kind of regional leagues as well. So you reduce the travelling costs for these clubs and make it a bit more sustainable that way. I would suggest that if the FA should be doing anything, it's it's looking at that. It's not looking at holding the hands of failing clubs who allow themselves to get into this position. Well, I would say that... You don't like uh, Sean Harvey because he was at Leeds. Well, I don't like Sean Harvey. He was, he was not only at Leeds, he was also at Scarborough and Bradford and uh, both of those went into liquidation as well. So his, his record's not particularly great. Chief exec of three clubs all went under. Put him in charge of the Football League. Nice one, well done. <laughs> um, and and he, let me tell you, he is as dodgy as they come. And don't take my word for it, take the, the judge's word for it. When Leeds United were in court, and the words used to describe Sean Harvey, to put too fine a point on it, made him look like an absolute criminal, right? Basically a, a liar, okay? Now, I've sort of forgotten my thread there. What, 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 was, your, <laughs> what was your point before he, he threw the uh, Sean Harvey banana skin in? Uh, it was just about what the FA was there for. You said what was the FA there for. So I, well, the, I FA's only, the, the FA sold the soul, right, to the Premier League. Everyone sells their soul. It's football. It's commercialism. Every, no one's got a soul left to sell. Fine. So the, let's take the FA out of it. Let's concentrate on the Football League. The EFL 72, as they like to call it. I would say there would be no EFL, there would be no Football League board if it wasn't for the 72. They're the ones who pay their wages, right? And it's in their job as their... How? How do they pay their wages? Because without the 72, there's no Football League, is there? It's their first job to protect the Football League. There will always be 72 72 clubs in the Football League. It doesn't matter if you get three or four go bust, you're going to get three or four to replace them. You would sort out some kind of promotion relegation system to ensure you still had 72 clubs there. You've got teams like Forest Green Rovers in um, the conference who would be more than able to hold their own financially and footballingly in League Two. Agreed. However, you mentioned a point about improving infrastructure, promoting the game, improving players. Who's going to be more likely to do that? Leighton Orient, with their massive infrastructure and huge fan base and training setup, or Forest Green Rovers. You can replace a team for a team, I agree with that. But you're basically replacing a crap one for a good one. So, is, is the solution we just get rid of all these teams that are 100 years old, let them all go under, and then replace them with crap teams? That, that is about four places difference in league position between Forest Green and... Late Noring, late, Forest Green are in the player places in the conference. Yeah, but you can't compare the two, mate. Yes, you can. Let's let's have a look at their attendance, their infrastructure, shall we? Mm-hmm. What's Forest Green got? Forest Green got a new stadium. Right. Okay. They're owned by um, I can't remember your man's name, but he made his money through uh, wind farms. They have quite a sustainable environmental outlook there they're quite a forward-thinking club they got mark cooper former swindon uh boss who got them towards the playoffs i think in league one yeah they've, they've got five thousand capacity and they've only got two thousand seats right so leighton orient have and remember these are the guys who are maybe going to move into the the old olympic stadium mm-hmm. um 
They've got a capacity of over 9,000. Brilliant, and they fill that every week. Well, I'm not saying they fill that every week, but what, we just throw them in the bin, do we? We yeah. just let them go? Yes. No. Why? We can't. What about, we can't. What, about, what about the footballing community? Outside the footballing community. The footballing community <laughs> cares not a jot. Part, part, you think the footballing community cares about Leighton Orient? They wouldn't give a toss about Leighton Orient. They say they care, and they go, oh, isn't it a shame? Isn't it terrible? I don't see the footballing community going on marshes around Leighton Orient's club. I don't see fans of Premier League clubs going in and saying, oh, what a shame about Leighton Orient. Leighton Orient will go, and some people will say, oh, yeah, it's a terrible shame for about three weeks, and somebody else will come along, taking their place, and it will all be forgotten. People don't give a toss. They're far too concerned with their own football club and the fortunes. Look how insular Arsenal fans are. They, you would have thought that... Listening to Arsenal fans, they're the only club to have ever had a problem ever in the history of football. If football clubs go because they can't support themselves, sod them. Somebody else will come along. No, I, d- I don't see that. I mean, the thing is, we we can't just throw people to the wall. Why? Throw they're, not, they're throwing themselves to the wall, aren't they? They can't no, throw themselves, they're throwing themselves to the wall. Their owner threw them to the wall. Exactly, their, their owner. N- nobody else, their owner threw them to the wall. Not the players, not staff, not the fans, and the people who allowed this guy to throw this club to the wall was the EFL. Nah. Now, I've got, I've got another thought about this, because we all know what the EFL want. They want B teams. They want Premier League, they want Manchester City B, you know, similar to what we've got in Spain, playing in League Two, and of course they're going to romp away and, and, and win it, and it's going to change the way that football happens right and it's going to change the whole infrastructure and it's all about money but I mean well let me tell you it's this. all about money you don't think people these people that haven't been these, to be fair the people I do very much feel sorry for the players and the staff that late ignoring that haven't been played that is a travesty yeah. but at the same time it doesn't excuse the fact that it's late ignoring that let them get themselves like that in the first place there's plenty of other lower league clubs that are run better than late ignoring who do pay their staff So, okay, okay, okay I, I can understand that, but where does this end? I mean, so for example, I could be, I don't know, a dodgy guy, I buy Newport County, I s- stream all the money out of them, I mean, this guy lives in Mayfair, yeah, mm. the owner, yeah, he's not, he's not doing too bad, he's, he's got a few pennies, right? Um, yet the EFL have got no power to say, well, look, you're responsible to pay the wages. How, how is that? You know, surely if, um, you know, you're in charge of a company, like you're in charge of, uh, I don't know, boots. You know, if you're the owner, you've got a responsibility to pay people's wages. Yeah, but you probably, if you look at that closely, that's probably down to statute law rather than the EFL's lack of teeth. Well, why shouldn't this guy be accountable? Why shouldn't it be made to it pay? Should be, it should be accountable, but that's not down to the EFL. That's down to the government to ensure there's suitable laws in place to make sure he does pay stuff. Right. Well, okay then. Can we maybe agree on this? Moving forwards, <coughs> the EFL are not fit for purpose themselves. They are not fit and proper because <coughs> this isn't the first time it's happened, right? The EFL have let this happen to Portsmouth... Rotherham, no, the clubs let it happen Leeds. themselves. No, they let it happen because they they ticked the box that said this guy's all right. 
okay? They're doing to Leeds, Portsmouth, Luton. Um, we've got it at the moment with Forest, with Venkies at Blackburn. And it's it's like, well, after the first one, where the guy was a crook, maybe someone should have thought, do you know what? We should maybe make things a little bit stricter. All right, you talk, you talk about Rotherham and you talk about Luton. They had their points deducted at the same time as Bournemouth when they had their points deducted. Look at where Bournemouth are now. Uh, right, I'd, I'd slightly disagree with that because Luton got a, a double header. No, they they all lost an extraordinary amount of points, but Luton, at the same time, well, Luton lost thirty points. I know, but if you look at the fortunes, and, and twenty, they lost. They started the season on minus thirty, didn't they? They lost ten for an administration, and then another twenty for something else, and then Rotherham starting on minus seventeen, and Bournemouth on minus eight or something silly like that. Rotherham were a championship club this season. Bournemouth are a Premier League club for the last two seasons. You make your own fortunes in this world. You can't go losing it and then blaming the FA. Anyway, the other thing is, is we're cracking on with this podcast as well. We're vastly over time, aren't we? We are. Yeah, I, I just think if the ultimate pinnacle is the promotion of the game for promoting English football, which is in decline anyway, when you're allowing clubs that are over 100 years to go to the wall, that's wrong. That's their tough and look. I, I don't think it is their tough look. I think that somebody has to be responsible for holding owners to account, and if they're not holding them to account, then someone has to step in and pay the wages of staff who work their asses off for clubs like Leighton Orient because unless we do something about it it's going to happen again and again and again okay right well you can always tweet us with what you think of this uh, dear listeners um, but we're going to have to move on I'm afraid Connick because we've got the Premier League to cover but before oh. that go on. Go, on. go on no no that was it oh sorry I thought you were about to no no all I'm saying is sorry for my rant it's just something I feel passionate about having seen the hurt that has happened to too many clubs before um, and from my particular circle of knowledge which is particularly Leeds United and uh, Portsmouth from knowing Greg and Tom you know of this podcast um, you know it took a lot of effort from people outside the football league to save their clubs and if it was down to the football league that had gone on days. Just, it just seems to me there's an organisation here where a lot of people get paid, and I don't know what the fuck they do. Are you talking about my, are you talking about local government, or are you talking about? I'm talking about the EFL. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Well, look, that's um, comrade Colin Corbin finished there. Uh, there's some week- <laughs> other weekend get work games coming up in uh, football land. We've got the Ailey quarterfinals. Brisbane Raw versus Sydney Wanderers and Melbourne City versus Perth Glory. Uh, League 1, you've got Lyon versus Monaco. Uh, in Holland, you've got PSV third versus Ajax in second, uh, who are one point behind Feyenoord. Croatia, Colin, you've got Dinamo versus Hajduk. That's the uh, the big game, Dinamo Zagreb versus Hajduk split. That's the big game of that football league. Um, Turkey, you've got Galatasaray versus Fenerbahce, a small, quiet local affair there. Uh Portugal sporting Lisbon versus Benfica and you've got the Clásico in Spain Real Madrid versus Barcelona which one of those is tickling your fancy? 
Colin. Sorry, oh, I was on mute there. The, the Croatian one, probably. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, a bit of Hadjuk split. Yeah, there you go. I quite fancy a bit of Galatasaray Fenerbahce. There will be pyrotechnics, <laughs> flames, banter, all sorts. <laughs> bit of pyrotechnic banter. Who doesn't like a bit of that? Well, well. All right. There's also some Premier League games this weekend. There's only the six this weekend because um, you've got the FA Cup semi-finals. So... First of all, uh, Hull in 17th place versus Watford in 10th. Um, Watford won on their uh, last visit in 2013 to the KC Stadium with a Troy Deeney goal. Uh, They also won the reverse fixture earlier on this season with a Michael Dawson own goal. Um, Another win for Watford would take them to their most wins in the Premier League uh, season with 12. Uh, Watford won three out of their last four. Uh, they beat Swansea last weekend. They uh, beat them 1-0. And, of course, Hull lost their last two away games 3-1 to Stoke and Man City. Um, but a phenomenal amount of their points come from playing at home, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. So I am going to go for a Hull win. Ooh. Um... Funny old thing with Watford, isn't it? They, people are thinking they've been struggling this season and Masari's not settled, but... They're tenth. They're doing all right, aren't they? Doing very well. They did very well last season. Mm. Um, and then subsequently sacked their manager, I believe. So, mm. um, yeah, they always slide under the radar, don't they? Yeah, they uh, do. Go on, sorry. How do you think this one's going to get on? Do you know what the thing is? The Watford players can hold their feet up now, can't they? They're on the beach. Yeah. That's the concern. Whereas Hull are still fighting for their lives. Um, plus it's it's at Hull um, I'd probably go for a draw here you're going to go for a draw are you? ok well look Hull are in 17th place um, and the first relegation place is occupied by Swansea uh, two points below them uh, and they are hosting Stoke this weekend um, Stoke have lost one only once in seven matches versus Swansea in the Premier League. Uh, and Wolfram Bonnie likes this fixture. Scored three goals to Swansea and two goals to Stoke, but he will be playing for Stoke this weekend. Well, again, it's, it's very similar to the whole Watford game, isn't it? Um, it is, isn't it? The sort of, yeah, you got a team down the bottom playing and a team in the sort of mid-table. Stoke won 3-1 in October and 1-0 at the Liberty last season. If that makes any difference to you. It does. I mean, the thing is, if you if you look purely on momentum, I mean, in the last match, Stoke beat Hull City three one. And if you if you put Swansea at about the same sort of level as Hull, then you'd expect Stoke to to beat them. It's gone wrong for Paul Clement recently, isn't it? Well, yeah, it has. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's still this. <laughs> thing about him isn't there because of everyone still seems to rave about him but I, I don't know if he's really got it you know what I mean I don't know if we're sort of like bigging him up he could be a very Craig Shakespeare-y kind of person couldn't he yeah and, and like um, who's, who's the other one was it Michael Appleton yes yeah he was very highly rated and it's like oh okay yeah they bigged him up quite a lot didn't they yeah Okay, uh, I'm going to go for a draw in this one, I think. Stoke for me, please, Chris. Yeah? Okay. Um, 
Bournemouth versus Middlesbrough. Are Bournemouth safe yet? Where are we? Well, Bournemouth are 16th place. They are seven points clear of the relegation zone, so I think they are pretty much safe, aren't they? Bournemouth are pretty much dead and buried. They're six points off of safety, although they've got a game in hand. Um, Rudy just said in the Premier League, have you heard this statistic? He's won, he's played, what have we got? 32, he's played, he's lost 32 games in the Premier League. He's drawn 13 and won one. Uh, that first win came in his first ever game in the Premier League um, for Aston Villa on the opening game of the season last season he scored the winner at Bournemouth is he going to do the same for Borough tomorrow no <laughs> fair enough they're, they're, they're finished aren't they I think they are yeah they're down yeah they blow they, they, it's like this chance they've been waiting for for so many seasons they've just blown it haven't they well you know I mean plus the Bournemouth are not a bad side um, and I think what with Eddie Howe in charge they're, they're not going to be on the beach he's going to keep cracking the whip I don't see any any hope for Middlesbrough in this one. I'd, I'd go for a Bournemouth win. Yeah. Hey, here's a quiz for you. Right, Steve Cook of um, Bournemouth and Ben Gibson of Middlesbrough have both played every single minute of the Premier League this season. Uh, to the nearest hundred, how many minutes is that? Oh, to the nearest hundred. Yeah. Uh, I, nearly said, uh, I nearly said ten. Well, it's, it's ninety games, isn't it? So. T- Two thousand nine hundred and eighty-five. Oh, 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 oh. Two thousand nine hundred and seventy. You're yeah. <laughs> fifteen out. Um, last game, uh, Borough lost two and at Arsenal on Monday, didn't they? And Bournemouth got thumped by Spurs last week, which could have quite easily been moral. Um, sort of seven or eight goals, couldn't it? Borough won this fixture two 0 at the Riverside with that Gaston Ramirez solo goal. Um, that's our Uruguayan reference for Jesse this week. Um, do you remember that goal? don't recall. He sort of ran pretty much from his own area all the way at the left-hand side of the pitch, didn't he? And then he sort of cut inside and scored at the end. Okay, yeah. Yeah? Okay, that's our obligatory Uruguayan reference we can tick off. Um, West Ham in 13th versus Everton in 7th. This is the Paolo Di Canio catching the ball derby, isn't it? Oh, is that the one, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, West Ham have got Sam Byron... Uh, and Mark Noble suspended. Andy Carroll is injured. Uh, Enna Valencia can't play against his parent club. Um, Everton haven't lost at West Ham since 2007. Uh, and Romelu Lukaku has scored in his last nine games versus them. And Phil Jagielka, goal machine, is three in three games. Mm-hmm. I'm going for an Everton win. It's, it's all, I'm not going for an Everton win. It all points to an Everton win, doesn't it? And that's exactly why they're going to lose. You think? Yep, it's going to be a West Ham win. Uh, Everton won 2 0 at Goodison Park. West Ham had that draw with Sunderland last week, didn't they? That improbable draw. Um, they've only won one of the last five, losing three. Uh, Everton have won three out there last five. They beat Burnley 3 1 last week, didn't they? Yeah, I, I, I struggle with Everton, I really do, because they're, you know, their current form is really, really good. But they, they always. You know, again this season, you know, they're going to finish seventh. I know what you mean. They are really topsy-turvy club to predict, aren't they? Yeah, it's just sort of like the, you know, if you were a betting man, you wouldn't want to put them on your slip. No. Um, and for that reason, I mean, and the thing is, with West Ham, again, okay, their form hasn't been great, but they've always got a result in them somewhere. So I, I would I would go for West Ham because I just can't trust Everton, and it's, and it's at home for West Ham. Yeah, that's not really helped. Help them this season, though, is it? 
No, but I, th- I think that's just going to be a period of transition. I mean, they've still got a lot of work to do on that stadium, hasn't it? It's not really a bit like the EFL, fit for purpose yet. <laughs> uh, Burnley versus Manchester United. Burnley 14th, Manchester United in 5th. Uh, this was the reverse fixture drawing. This is the nil-nil where Tom Heaton just was like, Gandalf, you shall not pass. Do you remember that? Mm. Uh, Burnley got 32 points at home this season. Um, Manchester City, uh, United though, have got 30 points in 14 away games. They've only done that four times this season at this stage. And they're 22 and beaten, I think, aren't they? I'll tell you what, for it. This is going to be quite tough. United are currently in extra time in the Europa League. And yeah, I saw that. And they're playing on Sunday, aren't they? It's, it's not going to be tough, is it though, Chris? It was tough at Old Trafford. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to be, you know, smoking something if you, if you went for Burnley in this one. Really? Yeah. Okay, I can see something. Oh well, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't be put off the draw, but mm. I could see a Burnley win. Well, the thing is, you never know. Do you? again with Manchester United, they're a little bit like Everton. Um, but no, I, I couldn't put my chips down on Burnley. Could you? I wouldn't bet chips on anything. Oh, we talk, well, chips, sorry. I thought you were talking as in bags of, sorry. Not yeah. chips as in gambling chips. I don't do gambling, you see, so. Yeah. I think chips, I automatically think um, potatoes. Or two fellas on a motorbikes. Yes, oh yes. The original, not the awful remake. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool in third versus Crystal Palace in 15th. Um... Palace are looking for the third Premier League win in a row at Anfield. They won 2-1 last season with that Scott Down winner. Um, Palace got 13 points out of their last 18 available. In Liverpool on 14 and Spurs on 18 have done better. They're going to win, aren't they? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll let you say your prediction on this one because you support both clubs, don't you? No. Oh, do you not support Palace as well? No, no. Oh, it's QPR. Okay, sorry. Oh, yeah. Um... That, well, that's that right m- massive London monolith instead. Yeah. Um, who did you say? Palace. Palace. I never predict Liverpool. No, win. no, 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 no. I, I think Liverpool's going to win it. No, I don't. We always do terrible against the smaller te- not smaller, sport the teams lower True. True. Um, it's it's crackers, isn't it? Big Sam's done it again. Uh, eventually he has, hasn't he? Because he struggled at the start. Yeah. Liverpool won this 4-2 at Selhurst Park. Right, OK. We did get that win against West Brom last week. We ground out that 1-0 win, having ground out that win at um, Stoke the week before. We won three out of our last four. But Palace have won three out of their last five. And they had that draw with Leicester last week. Do you remember when they're 2-0 down? Mm. I'm going to go for a Palace win. Yeah, I think that's the, the Liverpool fan creeping in you there. Um, <laughs> the natural pessimism. Yeah, uh, but no, I'd, I'd be I'd be uh, quite confident. Yeah, okay. Well, look, um, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Unless you've got anything to mention? Just one little one. Um, as a Liverpool fan, Chris, your thoughts on Klopp, Joe Hart, pretty much looking now, it's been confirmed as we're not interested in him. Would you be interested in him? Um, is he your kind of player? Yeah, I like him. He's done okay over in Torino, actually. He's done all right. He's had a few flaps, but I don't think he's done any worse than anybody else would have done. Uh, unless, I mean, Carius either hasn't worked out or hasn't had the chance to work out. Mengele is either 
um, is either Dino's off or is bloody Renegade. You're not quite sure which one you're going to get. Um, but he's been pretty good the last few weeks. But pff, I'd rather have Joe Hart over the pair of them. Whether I'd want Joe Hart if he's got somebody else lined up, I don't know. I don't know whether he's holding up a Champions League football, Jurgen, and maybe hoping to get somebody better. I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, he's all right. I've got nothing against Joe Hart. I reckon you could get him for a bargain basement price as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we probably could. Uh, unless um, uh, unless Guardiola swallows his pride, having failed miserably with um, Bravo. That's not going to happen, though, is it? No. <laughs> and when's he ever swallowed his pride? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the time isn't for Joe Hart to come back yet. I mean... He's enjoying himself over there. Of course and they, he is. And they like him. Oh yeah, they love him. I mean, can you imagine if you were a Torino fan and you've got like England's number one there? Mm. It, it'd be like brilliant. You'd have loads of giggles with him. Um, yeah, but you'd like to think if he did come home to the Premier League, you know, who would be his suitors if not Liverpool? Uh, Everton have ruled themselves out as well. So you're talking that sort of. Fifth down to about sort of eighth, aren't you? That sort of level. Well, in that case, it doesn't make any point in him coming back, does it? No, not really. Um, he might as well, you know, go on his European tour and what Torino this year, Manchester. It's like it's like um, Del Trotter's van. Manchester, <laughs> Torino. Well, Turin, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Manchester. Well, where next then? Um, Warsaw. Warsaw. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, Ajax. Someone like that. I don't Someone know. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Um, well, well uh, uh, Man of the Post is part of the World Football Index. Uh, they have podcasts from all over the world. They have podcasts from South America uh, with a couple of Libertadores, North America, Libre MX, as well as the MLS. Uh Spain, Italy, Germany, they have Tactics Podcast. A couple of good ones this week they've had out. They had, uh, Dave had um, uh, Sachin Nakrani and, I can't remember his name, but the editor of the Ask Blog uh, website up talking about the future of podcasting and media in uh, in sport, uh, in journalism. Uh, Gav from the La Liga podcast had Graham Hunter on talking and previewing this week's, uh, this weekend's Classico. Uh, so always worth a listen. That's at World Football Eye. Um, you can follow them on uh, Instagram and also Twitter. At um, Man of the Post is both our Twitter and Instagram account, which I posted from twice this week, Colin. So get on there and give them a follow. I certainly will do. You should do. You definitely should do. Uh, if you want to follow us, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. You press the subscribe button and they drop neatly into your inbox. Um, I think you can follow on the S button. If you like what you hear, you can rate and reviews on iTunes. Um, Five-star reviews are gratefully received. Uh, we are always looking for people to write for us, so you can email chris at manofthepost.com and uh, we'll ensure that something gets put up on the website. Um, the Football Pink, Mark's Football Pink, issue 16 is out imminently. It's a 90s special, so if you're a big fan of uh, 1990s football, then this is the one for you. You should uh, get this from um, at the Football Pink is his Twitter account, or footballpink.net is the website. You can also get it from the footballpink.bigcartel.com. Uh, it is also made a Spotify playlist. Each article in this, this season's for this edition's Football Pink 
is named after a, a band from the 90s um, or a song from the 90s. I've written something on Leighton Orient, John Sitton, no less, if you remember him, Colin. And my time, Chris. Before my time. Leighton Orient, I thought you'd be all over this. No, I do remember him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, article on him, so uh, the song title of that is Oasis is My Big Mouth. Uh, you can find the playlist on Spotify by searching the Football Pink Issue 16, which I'm sure you will do straight after this podcast, Colin, won't you? I most certainly will. Good man. Right. If they want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do that? Uh, you can get hold of me at Cass707. Yeah. Shohami can do the same, can he? Yeah, and uh, hey, if uh, anybody wants to uh, jump in with any thoughts on, on EFL, I mean, I'm open to all ideas. I can see both sides. I mean, obviously, I, I fall on one, but and Chris is on the other. But uh, yeah, let us know. Give us some feedback on what you think. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on, Colin. Yes, thank you for having me. That's all right. And always remember to have your man on the post. 